All right. Well, praise the Lord. Well, this morning, let me just tell you, you picked a good day to come to church. How many of y'all believe that today? You picked a good day to come to church. Well, this morning, we're going to begin a brand new series entitled Shaped by God. And uh, my heart and my prayer, I really feel like over the next three weeks, this is the heart of God for this series, is that number one, God wants us to understand and embrace our identity in Christ, that you have been divinely shaped by the hand of God, and God wants each and every person to begin to understand and to embrace who they are in Christ, because really that's where our purpose comes from. The second thing that I believe we're going to do through this series is not only bring us to that revelation and understanding of embracing our identity in Christ, but over the next few weeks, we're going to really break down how do I recognize that? How do I bring clarity into my life so I can really begin to recognize how am I really shaped by God? What are the gifts, the talents, the abilities, and the uniqueness of my life that is supposed to be submitted under the Lordship of Jesus Christ that's intended to make a difference in the world? And so we're going to have a very powerful, practical a series together as we kind of dive into the truths of Scripture and hopefully really learn some things about who we are in the Lord and begin to release those things that God has put in us to make a difference as we touch our world with the gospel. Amen? That sound okay with everybody? Y'all in for a little journey with me today? That was weak. All three of you. Anybody else? Come on, somebody. Psalms 139, verse 13 and 14. David, the Psalms has said, For you formed my inward parts, you covered me, in my mother's womb. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made and marvelous are your works and that my soul knows very well. Look at that first point on your outline. We are shaped by God. We have a divine DNA. Our bodies, our soul, and our spirits have been uniquely shaped by the Lord, right? You have a divine DNA. Everything about you has been formed in fashion for the purpose and for the glory of God. And we're going to recognize some today. We're going to recognize some of the schemes of the enemy. We're going to recognize some of the strategy that Satan uses against us. We're going to see some cultural trends that the world uses against us to push us outside of our identity in Christ to get us to abandon our divine shape and try to take on an image that was never created for us by the hand of God. And so we're going to see some really amazing things as we kind of dive into that thought about what it really means to be shaped by the Lord and have a divine DNA. Body, soul, and spirit were all created by God. Amen? So look at that next point. So whether you're black or white, whether you're short or tall, whether you're skinny or hefty, whether you're blue or brown-eyed, black or blonde-haired, introverted or extroverted, academic or athletic, we are all fearfully and wonderfully made. You are not an accident. You were created on purpose for a purpose. When you look at those little thoughts there and you recognize, man, it doesn't matter if I'm black or white, it's not the color of my skin that gives me my identity. It's my God that gives me my identity. It's not whether I'm tall or whether I'm short. I found out tallness comes in handy every time I'm in Walmart and a little lady walking down the aisle needs something off the top shelf. I'm really convenient to be by her. And I like it when they're older ladies because they call me young man. <laughs> young man, can you help me with that? I'm like, yes, I can. Doesn't matter, it doesn't matter if you're skinny or hefty. I don't know if you guys remember this. When I was growing up, I was always in the hefty department. 
And we used to actually have jeans that were called hefty. I don't know if they still make those. Anybody remember they do make those? So I was always in the hefty department. So uh, anyway, so it doesn't matter if you're skinny or if you're hefty. doesn't matter what color your eyes are, what color your hair is. You could change your hair and your eye color just about today if you want to anyway. doesn't matter if you're an introvert or extrovert. Think about that. It doesn't matter what you look like physically, and it doesn't matter what your personality type is. I mean, we use a profile here at the church called DISC, DISC profile, that I love a lot and we enjoy using. But every year they're coming out with new personality profiles, new ways to access who you are and how you are, all those things. Here's what I want you to understand. It doesn't matter what you look like. And it doesn't even matter what personality type you have. And it doesn't even matter the spiritual gifts that God has given you. All of those things have been fearfully and wonderfully made in the image and likeness of God. And you are a unique creation in the hand of the Lord. And God wants you to learn to celebrate who you are in your own skin so that you can bring Him glory. And we're going to really dive into that today because we live in such a comparison society we live in such a society where we're constantly comparing ourselves among ourselves. And you know what the Apostle Paul said? He said, whoever compares himself among himself is not wise. It's a foolish thing to do. Why? Because we should challenge each other and we should sharpen each other and we should help each other get stronger and get better. But at the end of the day, I can never be you and you can never be me. And somebody ought to say, praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Right? There's only one of you and there's only one of me and God made it that way on purpose because you were not an accident. And so many people struggle with their identity because they're looking at their body and they're looking at their personality and they're even looking at their inside giftings and they just don't like who they are. I want to tell you something today. That is a scheme of the enemy. Self-loathing and self-despising is a scheme of the enemy to rob you and disconnect you from the creative purpose of God that was created and intended for your life. You are not an accident. You're not short and tall by accident. You're not an introvert or extrovert by accident. You're not gifted accidentally. You're not academic or athletic accidentally. You are divinely created in the image and likeness of God. God's thumbprint has been implanted upon your heart and your life. And you are unique and special and powerful. And God wants you to be the you he created you to be. Your mom and dad may not have planned you, but God did. Every now and then I'll meet somebody and they'll introduce their youngest child. And they'll say, yeah, he was an accident or he was our oops baby. Well, you may be an oops baby and you may have been an accident, but God plans you. Come on, somebody. You were intentional in the heart of God. God intentionally purposed and planned and created you in His image and His likeness for His glory. So you were created on purpose for a purpose. Colossians 1, 15 through 17. It says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, through Jesus Christ, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things that we can see and the things that we can't see. Such as thrones and kingdoms and rulers and authorities in the unseen world and everything. Look at this next phrase. And everything was created through him and for him. Everything was created through him and for him. You were made by God and you were made for God. 
You were made by God and you were made for God. Everything was created through him and everything was created for him. And look at the very next verse because it's powerful. And it says, he, speaking of Jesus, existed before anything else and he holds all creation together. You were made by God and you were made for God. And when you surrender your life to the Lordship of Jesus, it all comes together for the glory of God. When you surrender your body, you surrender your soul, your mind, will, and emotions, and you surrender your spirit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, Christ is the only one that can hold it all together. We have a splintered world that has been splintered into all kinds of pieces and we have tried to embrace a little of this and a little of that and a little of this and not recognizing that it is in Christ that my body, soul, and spirit come together, that I am formed and fashioned perfectly by the hand of the Lord. And yes, we've got a sin nature. And yes, we've got to crucify our flesh. And yes, there's a sanctification process. And yes, we've got to renew our minds. And yes, everything doesn't go just because we want it to go. But at the end of the day, you are formed and fashioned and created in the image and likeness of God. And when I submit my body, my soul, and my spirit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, He holds it all together. And all of a sudden, my life begins to reflect the glory for which I was created and intended by the very hand of God. Outside of the Lordship of Christ, our worlds get corrupted. Our identities get perverted and twisted. And we live in a world where identity has been so twisted and so perverted that people don't even know if they're a boy or if they're a girl anymore. And this is what I want you to hear today. I want you to hear this. I want you to recognize that anything not under the lordship of Jesus Christ becomes easily perverted and easily corrupted. And we begin to live in a comparison complaining mode. Complaining about my body, complaining about my intellect, complaining about my gifts, complaining about my life, complaining about the path that I'm on, complaining and comparing myself to the people that are all around me instead of embracing who I was created to be in Christ. Holy Spirit, just this morning as I was praying, he said, Keith, he said, do you realize that your purpose for life is not out there? Your purpose for life is in here. The only way you discover your purpose is not by the task that you do, but by the identity that you have in Jesus Christ. And until you understand who you are in Christ, all the tasks and jobs and occupations and positions and places and things will never scratch the itch of your soul that gives you relief and peace by knowing that you're doing what you were created to do and you're living the life you were created to live. Purpose is not out there. Purpose is in here. It's in Christ, in my identity in Him. That's where I live. That's where I thrive. That's where the best version of my life comes from. If you're familiar with the vision statement here at Liberty Church, our vision statement is really simple. We want to reach out and we want to raise up. And if you know the full extent of that statement, it simply goes like this. We want to reach out into a broken, hurting world and we want to raise people up into their full potential in Christ. That's why we exist. That's why we are here today as a church and it's embracing your identity in Christ and understanding that body, soul, and spirit you are fearfully and wonderfully made 
is the game changer. Amen? Let's look at a couple more thoughts. Let's break down what the Psalms has said there in Psalms 139. He says, God covered us in our mother's womb. Womb. And literally that word covered means to cover, but it also means to fence in. God literally fenced us in. We were created with boundaries. I want you to hear that. We were created with boundaries. Just as you were physically created with boundaries, you look like you look, you're skinny, you're tall, you're whatever you are, you are. You were born a certain way. And yes, you got to take care of your body. And yes, you got to exercise. And yes, you got to eat right. But at the end of the day, you're basically going to look like what you look like. <laughs> because God has covered you. God has fenced you in and he has literally set boundaries in our lives, not to limit us, but to define and empower us in him. I love that phrase, fenced in, because we live here in the South, and so we, we understand cows and fences, right? <laughs> James loves cows and fences. I think you got some four new cows yesterday, didn't you? You know you're in Arab, Alabama when you get a woohoo over cows and fences. Praise the Lord. But I was thinking about a good farmer. And I was thinking about if you're a good farmer, you know what a good farmer does? A good farmer puts up a fence, not because he's trying to punish his cows, but he wants to protect his cows. He wants to provide for his cows. He wants to resource and give his cows everything that they need to fulfill their potential. Now, if you're a cow, that may not be a good thing. <laughs> Your potential may be some hamburger meat down the road someday. But if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, fulfilling your potential is always a good thing. And I want you to recognize this. I want you to recognize that God has put a fence around your life. There are some parameters, some boundaries that God has given to you. And if you think about it like this, I want you to understand that the boundaries that God put in our lives are not intended to limit us. Our limits are not our limits. Our limits define and empower us to give ourselves to the things in the parameter of which God created us to do. That doesn't mean we don't stretch. That doesn't mean we don't grow. That doesn't mean we don't push ourselves to do things we've never done before. That's all part of being healthy and growing and becoming what God has for you. But at the end of the day, let's be honest with ourselves. There are some things you're really good at and there are some things you're not good at. There are some things that you excel at, and there are some things you really stink at. <laughs> there are some things you should consistently do, and there are some things you should never do again. But the realization is you have limits. And Satan works overtime. Hear me today. Satan works overtime to magnify our limits. Satan wants to point out all the things you can't do. Well, you're not good like that, and you're not like this, and you can't do what they do. Comparison is the trap. And Satan uses comparison to get us to focus our attention and our energy on the things outside the parameter of what God created us for. Can somebody say American Idol? Not everybody's supposed to be a singer. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Doesn't mean they don't have gifts. Doesn't mean they don't have talent. Doesn't mean God hadn't formed and fearfully created them. It just simply means it may not be singing. Here's the realization. You have limits. That's not a bad thing. That's a God thing. 
You have strengths and you have weaknesses. And here's the goal of our life. The goal of our life is not to focus on our weaknesses. See, here's the challenge. Satan wants you to spend the next 20 years of your life focusing on an area that you're not good at because somebody else is good at it. And he has convinced you that if you can do what they do, you'll really be happy. Well, it's a lie. Because if doing what they're doing is not what God called you to do, then you're not going to be happy even when you do it. So the goal of our lives, hear me, is not to build our weaknesses. Because let's just imagine on a scale of 1 to 10 that you're a 3 in one area of your life. Let's just say on a scale of 1 to 10, I'm a 3. And let's just imagine that you spend the next 20 years of your life focusing, disciplined, dedicated to build that one area of your life. And after 20 years, you go from being a 3 to being a 5, which makes you average. You're right in the middle. That's not the goal of living, guys. The goal of living is not to spend the rest of your life working on the weaknesses. And when I, now, let me just clarify. When I'm talking about weaknesses, I'm not talking about character. The weaknesses of character need to be submitted to the authority and lordship of Jesus Christ. You can't say, well, I'm just a liar and I can't tell the truth and that's a weakness in my life. No, that's something you need to repent of. Okay? So when I'm talking about weaknesses, I'm not talking about character issues. I'm not talking about integrity and honesty. I'm not talking about doing the right thing and walking in love and, and showing grace and peace to those that are around you. I'm talking about your strengths and your natural talents and your spiritual gifts and abilities. You recognize, hey, I've got some weaknesses, some things I can maybe do but I'm not really that good at. But guess what? I've got some strengths. The goal of your life should not be to take your three weakness and make it a five and become average. What would happen if you spent the next 20 years of your life working on the areas in your life where you're a seven, eight, or maybe even a nine? And you're really gifted and you're really talented and you're naturally just good at it and you have an ability to excel in these areas. What would happen if in the next 20 years you focus on developing and disciplining and working toward making that strength a greater strength? Then you'd go from being a seven to being a ten. And you go from being above average to being at the top of your game and shining the brightest that you could ever shine for the glory of God. Amen? That's the goal. God has limited us not to limit us, but to define us and to help us focus on the things that he has actually created us to do. Amen? All right. Look at that next thought. We are not only covered in our mother's wounds, but David goes on to say, we are fearfully made. Our divine shape, I want you to hear this, demands respect and strikes fear into the heart of the enemy. Let's talk about that for a second. Our divine shape demands respect and strikes fear into the heart of the enemy. One of the greatest schemes of the enemy is Satan knows that if you begin to do what God created you to do, he's afraid of you. He fears you living your life to your fullest potential. He fears you being the person God created you to do. So what does he do? He works overtime through the world system to create a comparison trap where you constantly compare yourself to other people and you live your entire life trying to become something you were never created by God to be. And all of a sudden you waste time energy, effort, and a whole lot of money. And at the end of the day, you're not more satisfied or fulfilled than you were at the beginning of the day. Why? Because you're chasing something outside the parameter of God's creative purpose for your life. 
So all of a sudden, I've got to begin to recognize Satan fears my full potential. Satan fears you being the person God's called you to be. It strikes fear into his heart. And so because Satan is afraid of you becoming who God called you to be, Satan uses fear, fear of rejection, fear of not fitting in, fear of not being good enough, fear of not measuring up, fear of not fitting into the status quo, fear of not following into this image and idea of what everybody says I should be, thinks I should be, and act like. And all of a sudden we end up allowing fear to manipulate us into pursuing a life that we weren't created to pursue. I look around this room, and I know most of you at a decent level, and I know many of you very, very well. And when I look across this room, I recognize, man, there's amazing gifts and talents and abilities. I see the greatness of God in your lives. And it's astounding because you're awesome people. But what grieves my heart is that most of the awesome people in the body of Christ don't know they're awesome. They don't know they're awesome because they're spending their time comparing themselves with other people trying to become something they were never created to be. And we have this comparison and this competition and then we end up complaining and grumbling and griping to God about why'd you make me this way? I want you to hear me today. You are significant and you are valuable and you are fearfully and wonderfully made and you matter just like you are. God wants to draw out everything that he has put in you. Respect. Look at the next part of that statement. Respect begins with you. Listen to this little statement right here. Until you honor the you that God created you to be, no one else will. Respect begins with you. Until you honor the you that God made you to be, no one else will either. You've got to respect yourself. You've got to honor and respect the gift of God that he's put within you. Look what David says, Psalms 139, 14. He says, I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works and that my soul knows very well. Listen to this. David said, God, I will praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. David celebrated who he was in Christ. I will praise you, God, because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. He celebrated. He didn't compare. He didn't complain. He celebrated who he was in Christ. He celebrated the gift of God. He celebrated the grace of God. He celebrated the fact that he was who he was, where he was, in the moment he was, because God's hand was upon him. Did he make some bad choices? Just read the story of David. He made a bunch of them. <laughs> He is actually not the example that you want to follow. <clears throat> Committed murder and adultery, that's not a good two things on top of my list I want to grow up and be. <laughs> Didn't discipline his children, I don't want to do that either. <laughs> He's not the prime example of I want to do everything David did. But here's David who God calls a man after God's own heart who made miserable and horrible mistakes and decisions. But yet in Psalms 139, he comes back to God and says, Lord, I want to praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. See, if you don't grab that, if you don't grab your identity in Christ, you're always chasing the wind. If you don't grab your identity in Christ, you're always chasing the next social media concept and idea of what it means to be successful or important or powerful. And by the way, if you haven't noticed, that always changes based on the celebrity that's promoting it. 
And so all of a sudden we recognize, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. He celebrated that. He said, and my soul doth know very well. He had, he had come to a place where mentally and emotionally he had embraced who he was. Again, not character flaws, not celebrating sin, not compromising character, but he recognized that he was who he was by the grace of God and that if he could embrace who he was in Christ, he could become the person God created and called him to be. The Holy Spirit spoke this to me. He said, Keith, he said, the missing link in many people's lives is self-respect and radical praise to God for who he created us to be. And then he said this. I want you to hear this. He said, if you despise yourself, and I meet a lot of people, unfortunately, that despise their self. If we could hear the self-talk that goes on in your head, how much self-loathing would we hear? You're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You never measure up. You're never going to get this right. Nothing's ever going to change. Think about that for a second. If everybody in this room could hear yourself talk, how much self-loathing would we hear? And this is what the Lord said. He said, Keith, if you despise who you are, you don't just despise yourself, but you dishonor the God who made you. He said, if you despise yourself, you dishonor me because I created you. And you're not a mistake and you're not an accident and you're not messed up beyond repair. Yes, we got falls, faults and flaws and failures, but we got a good God that loves us. And you were created in his image with a divine impression upon your heart. And you are not messed up and jacked up and screwed up beyond repair. You are fearfully and wonderfully made in the image and likeness of God. And until you embrace that, you end up chasing the wind and never finding the satisfaction of soul that God intended you to have. Look at that next point. Not only are we fearfully made, we are wonderfully made. The word wonderful literally means to be distinguished and set apart from all creation. And there is no one in the world just like you. And we all ought to say praise the Lord and thank you, Jesus, for that. You're wonderfully made. That means we are distinguished. You're set apart from all creation. There's no one in the world just like you. Even identical twins, right, are not identical. God broke the mold when he created you. Think about this. You are an expression of the creative genius of God. You are an expression of the creative genius of God. Body, soul, and spirit, you are formed and fashioned by God. And you are an expression of that creative genius. I googled this morning before I came to church. 7.8 billion people on the planet now. Right now, 7.8 billion people and not two of us are just alike. That doesn't include all the people that have already lived and died. It doesn't include all the people that are going to be born and are being born even now as we speak. 7.8 billion people on planet Earth right now, and not two of us are just alike. Nobody has the same fingerprint. We are all uniquely created in the image of God. I told the 8 o'clock service this morning, I said, if it was up to me, I'd make about three, and then I'd just duplicate it. Yeah, bam, bam, bam. Let's do that over about a million times. But God in his creative genius 
7.8 billion people later is still making brand new people. Formed and fashioned in a unique way to express the glory of who he is in your life. It's amazing, guys. It's amazing. Understanding, look at that next point. Understanding our shape for life and ministry is so important because there's no one that can do what you do in the way that you will do it. There's no one that can do what you will do in the way that you will do it. It's important that we understand our shape for life and our shape for ministry because nobody can do what you do in the way that you will do it. I love, we love models and methods and systems at Liberty Church. And we learned a long time ago that if we can create a model or a method or a system, we can duplicate and we can multiply. But this is what I learned a long time ago, and you know this to be true. Two people working the same model will never do it exactly the same. You know why? Because I'm not you and you're not me. And that's good. We can all work the model. We can all work the system. We can all check off the same boxes. Done, 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 and done. And at the end of the day, we will have all done it differently. (laughs) Because we're different. And that's a good thing. And all of a sudden, you begin to recognize that there's nobody on planet Earth that can do what you do the way you do it. There's nobody on planet earth that can do what you do the way you would do it. And the devil says, well, what you're doing doesn't matter. Anybody can do that. No, they can't. As a matter of fact, nobody can do it just like you. He tries to make us feel insignificant. Have you ever been doing something that seemingly was a small job in the measure of the world? And the devil says, well, that's nothing. You're really not doing anything. You're really not important. You really don't matter. Anybody can do that liar because nobody can do it just like you. You're that unique, you're that special, and you're created with that much purpose. You were made by God and for God. And in Christ... That glory is revealed. Last point, here it is. God's greatest glory is man fully alive. God's greatest glory is man fully alive. That's an excerpt, by the way, from a poem. You ought to go home and Google it. It's worth looking at and reading. God's greatest glory is man's fully alive. When we live the life we were created to live, listen to this, we reveal an element of God's glory that the world will never see apart from us. We reveal a part of God's glory that the world will never see apart from us. Romans 8, 18 and 19 is an interesting scripture. Look what it says. Paul is speaking. He says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creation, speaking of the earth itself, eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. The whole world, Paul says, eagerly waits for the sons and daughters of God to step into the fullness of life that they were created to live. And one day there's going to be a redemption of this planet. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. But until that day, I want you to hear me, hear this. Until that day, every time that you live the life God's called you to live, you reveal the glory of God. And the world, I believe, rejoices in getting a small taste of what is to come on that final day of redemption. The world groans and travails waiting on the sons and daughters of God to be revealed for us to just step into our identity, 
for us to stop comparing and complaining that we're not who other people are and to begin to understand we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Now, let me just say this to you today. I, I try to be as practical and applicable as I can. The realization for you to become the person God has created you to be, it's going to require hard work, and it's going to require discipline, and you're going to have to give yourself with all that you've got to be that person. But I'd rather give myself with all I've got to be that person and find the fulfillment and satisfaction that comes from declaring and revealing the glory of God than to live my entire life chasing the wind, trying to be something I was never created to be. Let's be the best version of ourselves. And that only happens when body, soul, and spirit is submitted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Let's bow our heads today. This morning, I hope that you know above anything else right now that you are greatly and deeply loved by God. You are greatly and deeply loved by God. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You're not an accident. You're here on purpose. And I don't know what you've found yourself comparing yourself to or with, but I want to encourage you today. I want to encourage you today to be like David. And say, God, I just want to praise you today that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. When's the last time you praise God for being you? Think about that. When's the last time you praise God for being you? We spend a lot of time praying and asking God to make us into somebody else and to make us more like other people. And Lord, I wish I could change and I wish I could do this. When's the last time you just said, God, I want to praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm not all that I need to be, but I'm not what I used to be. And I am choosing, I'm choosing to embrace my life in you. So right now, maybe you just need to begin to praise the Lord where you're at. Maybe you just need to praise God for fearfully and wonderfully making you. Maybe today you need to just begin to embrace the identity that you have in Christ. Stop chasing the wind of culture. And let Christ be your identity. Recognize that your limits are not your limits. They simply define you and empower you to be what God's created you to be. Maybe you're here this morning, maybe you're watching online, and maybe you realize, you know what, Pastor Keith, I've never submitted my life to Jesus. You talked about at the very beginning about how that my body, soul, and spirit has to come under the lordship of Jesus Christ. I've never done that. I've lived my life on my own terms and in my own way, and I've never really trusted my heart to Jesus, and today I want to do that. Today I want to give my life to Christ. He's the one that gave me life. I want to give back to him what he gave to me. And today I want to honor God with my life, and I want to live for him. I realize today that I'm a sinner. I realize that I've lived life my own way, and today I want to choose Christ and ask Him to be my Lord and Savior. If that's you right now, I want you just to raise your hand all over this building. Today I want to accept Christ as my Lord and Savior. Just slip your hand up, just a simple act of faith that says, Today's my day. I want to bring my life, body, soul, and spirit under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. I don't want to do my own thing anymore. I don't want to live my own life anymore. I want to find my identity in Christ, and I want Jesus 
to be my Lord and Savior. If you're watching online, just hit that little hand emoji. Type in that chat box. I'm raising my hand. This is a divine moment for you to come to Christ. He loves you. He sent his son to die for you. And in him, you have life. Amen. So let's pray this prayer together out loud. Everybody with me, let's say it together. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins. Rose again on the third day. I believe that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And I give my life to you. And I ask Jesus to come into my heart and my life. Forgive me of my sins. And be my Lord and my Savior. I receive the gift of eternal life. Through Jesus Christ, my Lord, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise today. Amen. Well, I tell you what, why don't you high-five somebody on your way out today. Tell them they're awesome, and have a blessed day in the Lord. Tuesday night, we're having a special night of worship here at Celebrate Recovery with our Sunday morning team. We'd love for you to come back and join us. Meal at 5.30, service at 6.15.